you will sow and you will give your life, not to just building your own kingdom, but advancing God's kingdom. Maybe a more appropriate question for us today or this morning is not what you will do with your life, but but unto whose glory will you live your life for? The glory and prestige of this world, the praise of man, or unto the glory and fame of Jesus. Really, it's a question, it's something that we all have to answer in life. Graduates, pastors, just regular common guys and gals, we all have to, at one point, come to the realization that all things we do glorify something or someone. In this case, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, if you want to turn there with me, one little verse hanging on towards the end of the chapter, that really serves as a summary to Paul's main joint, uh, point, not joint, but point of the chapter. 17 words, think about it. 17 words sum up 31 verses. And I believe that these serve as a powerful uh, reminder of what we are as believers to live for. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 31, are you there? It says this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Let me read that again. So whether you eat or drink, now I know you're probably thinking, what does that have to do with, like, you know, eat or drink? But the second part of this verse, key in, or whatever you do, do all things to the glory of God. That's right. It's my opinion that 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 flies in the face of American culture. A culture, a culture, excuse me, for the most part, that concerns themselves with one, not one iota of concern about the glory of God. So in all things, not with whatever you want to do, do to the glory of God, but in whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So let me get this right. Both in content and conduct, my life, your life is meant, according to Paul, to what? Bring glory to Christ. And this is very significant for us all, but very, 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 very significant for those who are graduating. I'm sure you'll have many options to pursue and live for or promote your own self in glory. But yet, I'm sure in the context of whatever it is that you do, God will be crying out, no, glorify me. Glorify me. Listen, there is no area outside of our lives that stand outside of glorifying God. Rather, if I'm behind a pulpit or in my neighborhood, my purpose is to let my whatever I'm doing give glory to Jesus. All things sacred, secular. Sometimes in church, we like to make a separation between the secular and the sacred. But God doesn't make a separation between what is holy and what is not for the believer. 
both the sacred and the secular are subject to this end. Meaning, in the lordship of Christ, he makes no distinction between the two. Both worlds, our lives that we live, are meant to bring him glory. Now, working backwards in the text, from verse 31 to verse 1, we find that the life of a believer is to be different than the rest. I mean, this is not a new concept to Christianity, really. And it's not the first time that I've said it. And although it's not a new concept, it's a needed concept. We need to wrestle with and grapple and know that we are a new creation in Christ. We are not like the world. We are new beings, everything from the very crown of our head to the soles of our feet are new in Christ. And they are to reflect that new life in which Christ had purchased us. And so everything for us as believers should look different, should be different. The fact that we are a new creation, listen, that, is, that cannot be overstated enough. We need to constantly be reminded of who we are and who Christ has made us. If, if, we, if we don't remind ourselves of who we are, we, we may get trampled and lost in becoming something of which we're not, which always leads to idolatry. It's our interest, our interest as a new creation, as being new beings in Christ. Our interest should be focused on, on Christ. Our aims, our ambitions. Listen, your ambitions today should be focused on Christ. Matter of fact, your whole outlook on life your whole, uh, just wrap your mind around that with me this morning. Your whole outlook on life should be centered on Christ. Should be centered, like you're everything. What you do, where you work, where you live, who you marry. Everything about you centered around Christ. This shouldn't come as a surprise to us. But Paul makes this distinction in this chapter by setting up Israel as an example for us in their idolatrous tendencies. In the beginning of the chapter, look at verse 1 of chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. This is what Paul says. And I, you know, I, I don't, I like Paul want us to be aware of something. And, and here it is. This is what I want us to be aware of. Paul says, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers. Now, he's about ready to unpack in about 11 verses Israel's missteps, Israel's tendencies of creating for themselves another God other than the God who has made them currently his children. Now, if we miss this point, meaning if we treat verse 1 as a throwaway verse, 
and we treat it as inconsequential, if we treat it as it holds no significance for us all, we will miss the point of this sermon. But most of all, we will miss the point of this chapter. So verse 1 is not a throwaway verse. Paul uses the Israelites as an example of what to do, of what not to do, excuse me. So let's turn there in the passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 through 7. Here's what Paul says. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as an example for us that we might not desire evil as they did. And here, here's the warning that Paul gives to the Corinthian church. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. Friends, if it's a warning for them, it's a warning for us. And how appropriate for some who are going to move on into their careers and build families and build homes and whatnot. How more important it is for you as you start to set up your new life. How will you set it up? What will be of most importance in your new life? Thursday night I was chatting with my wife and it's always dangerous to ask Bethany a question um, and actually like hope that she's honest. She doesn't try to cover it up with some Christianese. Um, <laughs> no, she never does that. She never does that. But I was asking her a question in hopes to, like, you know, hone in on the message here today. I said, hey, babe, you know, has there ever been a time when, you know, you warned me of something, maybe over and over and over? Like, I asked for your counsel. Like, hey, babe, what do you think about this? What do you think about this situation? What should I do? What do you think? Should I do this? Should I do that? She's like, no, you should do this. And I do that. And I just, I do the opposite of what she kind of counsels me to do. And in the nicest way that she could, she didn't give me an example. She's like, oh yeah, that happens all the time. (laughs) Listen, she's a hater, okay? (laughs) But... But it is true. It is true. We are prone, sadly, to do the exact opposite of what we are warned or even counseled not to do. Come on, can I get any real people in the church today? People that you're like, amen, brother. So we're prone to do exa- the exact opposite of what we know not to do. And, and usually when we do this, it's because it, there's something else that we prefer. In this case, it would be something else that we prefer more than God. And friends, preferring anything other than God or over God is idolatry. Let me say that again. Preferring anything over God in God's opinion, not mine, but in God's opinion, is idolatry. You know, this part of our humanity is quite perplexing, right? Paul in many ways, he was, he was a bit confused about his own tendency to do what 
he knew he wanted to do, to do but couldn't do. Let's turn to Romans chapter 7, verse 15 through 18. I'm sorry, Kenya, I see that red flag going up a lot. I am trying, <laughs> trying to stay at an even speed for our translators. It's not an easy thing at all. But God bless you guys. Thank you so much for helping and sticking up with me. I think last Sunday I got like six cards thrown up at me. I didn't even notice one because usually uh, the girl who's flipping the card is over here. And Anna Pervasi, she was over here last Sunday. I, just, I, I think I just rolled right through. So if you were translating last Sunday, please, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. But Romans chapter 7, 15 through 18 Here's the Apostle Paul. He says this, For I do not understand my own actions. Can anybody relate? I mean, right out the door. I, just, I mean, I just get Paul right there. And, you know, if you're not laughing, it's probably because you weren't listening. But let's just read that again. Because it is just, it's so indicative of human nature, right? For I do not understand my own actions. For I do, for I do not do what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. Oh, man, it's really getting real here. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Oh, thank you, Paul, for being real. Listen, if, if this does anything for me today in light of the sermon, it highlights for me personally my utter need and dependency on the Lord. Because it's not even that I can will myself or, or, or fight against creating certain idolatrous uh, tendencies. It's only really by the grace of God. Because I I realize, like Paul has, a certain tendency to not do what he knows is right. I have that same tendency to do the same. Paul comes to a beautiful revelation of himself. And that is, he wants to do what's right, but he can't carry it out. And until we are able to come to this truth ourselves, as Paul does in Romans, that we, like him, have similar propensities to do what we know we shouldn't do, until we realize and understand our humanity in the same way Paul knows his, that understanding, I have a desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Until we realize our humanity like Paul does, We are shipwrecked. And you are prone to creating in your life a life of misery. A life of propping up idols. You know, and and, and just to be honest, I, you know, like it doesn't look the same as it did in 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 Moses' days. We have our own round of Idols that we like to worship, that we think are just, you know, just normalities and just like, this is life. Like, everybody does this. But really, at the end of the day, we create for ourselves things, things like relationships. 
the need to be loved by someone else. Uh, things like food, as you can tell, uh, you know, I have a strong tendency to, anyways, I mean, maybe it goes deeper. Maybe for some of us, it's alcohol. Maybe, 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 maybe for some of us, it's sex. Whatever it might be, we have our own way of, in America, creating for ourselves things that we find comfort, things that we find pleasure, things that we prefer more than God. And friends, God considers that an idol. There will be moments in your life, now I want to speak directly to the graduates, there will be moments in your life when you won't feel like living for the glory of God. That's, that's, I'm, I'm sorry that this is, uh, you know, I'm not being myself and trying to get you to laugh all the time. I want, I want some so, sobriety in this room today because there's moments that you and I will not feel like living a life that desires to give God glory. There, there will be moments in your career, moments in changing the world you don't feel like giving God the glory. Maybe it's because living to make much of God doesn't pay as well. Or maybe it doesn't get you far up that ladder of success and so you have to just forego and think about your own glory and, and forego, you know, staying true to glorifying God. There will be times when living for the glory of God seems like a waste of time, somewhat of an obstacle. It's in the way. There will be times in your life when something stands in the way of you glorifying God. There will be moments when you want to exchange the glory of God for something else. It's common among believers, among humanity. Turn with me one more passage. In Romans chapter 1, verse 22 through 23. Here's Paul the Apostle saying, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Friends, similar to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, this is Paul's main concern for the church of Corinth. And ultimately, this is my concern as a pastor for our church Turn with me to the last passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 6 through 7. Same chapter that we started off with. Later down in the uh, chapter, it says this. Now these things took place. Again, Paul is making reference to the children of Israel. These things took place as an example for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do you understand that you and I have a part of us that desires evil. Let me, just hear me. I know that that's, maybe it comes across a little offensive, but it's true. If, if it wasn't true, then Paul wouldn't have put these words here. He wouldn't have had any concern. But, but I tell you, the moment I get in touch with how debased and depraved I can be as a human, how evil I can be, is the moment that I rely upon God. 
to be for me what I can't be. Much like Paul does in Romans. See, understanding our depravity, understanding our tendencies is almost like a pathway to freedom. It really is. Like, like, man, I don't want to get into my own story, and I'm not going to go there, but I'm trying to frame this in a way that we can all understand it. The more I realize, and I'll just say it this way, again, the more I realize how depraved and how evil I can be apart from the grace of God, the more I'm reliant and desperate for God to be for me what I can't. And Paul gives us this warning. He gives the church of Corinth this warning. Matter of fact, he, matter of fact, he warns Corinth as to uh, so far to say, hey, listen, um, like you don't understand. If you keep on going this road with, with idolizing uh, these images and preferring them over God, the same thing will happen to you. Now, this is New Testament. He says, the same thing will happen to you that happened to Israel in the wilderness. Now, if you're not aware of what happened to Israel in the wilderness after that exodus that Moses leads, you should be aware. <laughs> because I happen to believe that this same warning that Paul gives them, he really gives to the church at large, meaning it is applicable for us today. So he has a desire that we wouldn't desire evil as Israel did, and then summarizes with this, do not be idolaters as some of them were. Because idolatry is the enemy of doing all things to the glory of God. Idolatry is the enemy of doing all things, as Paul says in concluding chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, all things to the glory of God. Putting anything for, before God will rob us from the enjoyment of glorifying God in our lives. Let me close out with Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 5. And I know you're thinking, well, that was really short. Well, we're going to celebrate, and we want to pray over some of our graduates. So I imagine that's going to take anywhere between 15 and 20 minutes. Um, and so that's why I'm wrapping it up so soon. But Colossians 3, 1 through 5, says this. If any of you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above not on things that are on earth. Wow. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then Paul goes on to list various things that should be put to death. Listen, here it is, guys. Nothing would please me more to feel like we did a good job here as pastors and as a church, that if you lived after this chapter of your life closes, that you would live a life that is bent and fixed on glorifying God, Amen. that you would see your life is not your own, but hidden with Christ, that you would not 
seek the things of this earth, but keep your eyes on Christ and seek the things of heaven. That doesn't mean that you're no earthly good. You know, but it does mean that you're heavenly minded. And in a kind of debased, deprived world, we need to be heavenly minded. And friends, whatever journey your life, whatever the next stage looks like in your life, you're going to need the mind of Christ. So if you're a graduate here, could you first just stand to your feet and ask my wife to come up. If you're graduating, if this is your, we have a gift for you, but we also, don't be bashful, don't wait for like, be the first one to stand. It's okay, there's like 15 of you that raised your hands. You guys can put your hands together. It's okay to clap in church. So we want to pray for you guys, and we want to give you a gift. So I'm going to do one more embarrassing thing. Will you come up to the front? Uh, Because we don't want to walk to your seats. And that would be even more awkward. Trust me. Yeah. No, um, Giannata, could you get some gifts over there? And just stand. No, you you don't have to to kneel. But if you could come and then turn around and face the audience. Because we're going to do, like, you know, we're going to join in as a congregation and pray for you. Come on, come on. Yeah, you guys continue putting your hands together. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, can you pass them out? Yeah. Go ahead and pass them out, yep. So we got a book for you guys. The 360 Bible by Daniel Lim. I feel like it will be a great resource for you. We have one for everybody. Okay, great, great. I need more down there, yep. Awesome, awesome. Well, I tell you, when I'm looking at the faces here, my heart wants to be happy. Um, <laughs> but it's really sad. It is it's sad in a way that you're going to be missed. Uh, some of you I know will stick around, but I know others will leave. You're going to be missed. But even in you being missed, um, I hope that you know that there is a group of believers here in Boston that deeply deeply love you and appreciate the times uh, that we shared together here at Hilltop. And um, yeah, babe, why don't you say a couple words? Um, yeah, obviously this next season looks very different for each and every one of you. Um, but I want to encourage each of you to not go it alone, but to find a community of people that you can run with, that you can pray with. Um, and in specifically that there's a community of people that teach and, and endear the word of God. Um, that it would not be a community of people that can easily adapt scripture to cultural norms to justify sin and complacency. But I just want to say to you, you want to find a group of people where you feel not only provoked, but you can feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because it's an extraordinary gift. And each and every single one of you, you have unique gifts and call and talent and anointing and potential that is upon your life. Um, But there's a place that, first and foremost, beyond there's any potential that man will ever see, it's your place of ministering before God, first and foremost. And that's the place that you'll be satisfied. That's the place that you'll be fulfilled because you could walk in extraordinary careers and extraordinary callings and feel empty and void inwardly. And so I just want to encourage all of you, find a place of community that you can bind yourself, bind your life, be accountable, be provoked, 
um, and be challenged and run with other believers. So, and you're greatly loved and you'll be prayed for. So let's pray for you now. Yeah. Before we do that, let's, uh, we sent an email out to summon our core team. So if that's you, you've received that or, uh, email. So we want to lay hands on these people. Don't be bashful. Why don't you guys come up and help us pray uh, for this group of people. Just pick one, whoever you want. <laughs> we'll get to everybody. We'll get to, every, we'll get to everybody. Yeah, get your hands on them. Amen. That's all right. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, come on up. There you go. Come on, come on. Yep. I imagine that this is not just emotional for Bethany and I, but for some who even have their hands on you now. And so let's bow our head. I'm going to pray, and then I'm just going to ask that those who have their hands on you will just minister prophetically and just pray for you as individuals. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to know these precious people. And